to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. And this week on the podcast, I am having a returning guest to the show because that's what I like to do. I like to talk to people. You know, if I like to talk to you before, I want to talk to you again. So that's what we do here. But last time I talked to this guest, I had a good conversation about jiu-jitsu and just life, movies, everything. And, you know... We got off air. We're talking about belt ranks. And when they left their one rank and they're back in their new rank. And we're going to sit here and we'll talk about that. So I want to welcome back Mr. Chad the Dad Myers to the podcast. Chad, how you feeling, man? Welcome back. Good, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No, no, no. no. Thank you for making the time to do this. I, I always want to stress how much I do appreciate anyone that that makes time to do this show. It's just one of those things I feel it's important because without y'all, this show doesn't work because nobody wants to sit here and just listen to me talk about my dry erase board, the <laughs> soundboard, you know, the ring lights and shit. So thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story, making the time to do this, especially on short notice because I messed up the schedule and I was like, hey, so are you free this weekend? And I'm thinking it's a holiday weekend. He's probably going to say no. And now I'm going to have to fucking record with my daughter again. And, <laughs> God, like seven year olds are funny, but it, like I don't know, man. I, I can't do it. <laughs> not, not for another episode. So, um, so what's been going on with you, man? How you been? I've been good. Um, the gym's been doing well. I'm just trying to grow that, and I got promoted to black belt in Brazil, so that was pretty awesome. Mm. And. Yeah, that was a. I spent 40 days in Brazil and it was an insane experience from like every range of emotion. But uh, I came back with a black belt and I started doing everything, I started going hard. But the only bad thing is, I've had two knee injuries since I've came back from Brazil, so that really stunted my competition. So that sucks. Both of them happened in competition, so that is even more aggravating. But yeah. It's definitely not ideal, for sure. Uh, I, I can't say that I was living vicariously through you um, on Instagram as I was keeping track. I was like, okay, he's in Brazil. What's he doing now? Oh, that looks fun. I'm just going to tell everybody else I did that. <laughs> Dude, you're still in Maryland. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> so uh, tell me about the, the, the experience, you know, what – what was going on? You know, when you got promoted to black belt, you went down to Brazil and got your promotion there. You know, walk me through just those emotions and, and that experience for you. Well, uh, to be straight up honest and transparent, like I had, uh, I've been coming out of a major like panic disorder and anxiety disorder. And so for me to travel to like another continent without my family, you know what I mean? And I'm going to be there for a while. Like, as so i speak spanish and as i was going to brazil i had a little bit of portuguese just a little bit and so uh they came over the intercom in portuguese and i understood that they said we were making our final descent 
into Rio de Janeiro and I just went through a major panic. Like my panic attack was through the roof and I was like, oh my God, panic attacks on planes aren't great. Um, I bet. But uh, the panic attack went through, uh, you know, like I got over it uh, by the time the plane landed. And then we got picked up by uh, the person who, the fourth degree black belt who ended up promoting me to black belt. He took us to his home and I started to calm down a little bit, but starting like the next day, like things went hard. Uh, They started testing me and like pushing me to my limits. It was so hot. And the way the topography is in Rio de Janeiro, it's like all these valleys that everybody kind of lives in. Uh, but it's like sunk in valleys. Like if you've ever been to Hawaii or seen Hawaii, everything's in valleys there, but they're not sunk in like the way they are in Brazil. And so like the heat and the humidity just traps you. And most places don't have air conditioning, you know? So it, I just kept getting like overheated, but I didn't realize that was happening because I've dealt with heat my whole life. And so I was just training and like, I just wasn't myself. It felt weird, like in my training capacity. And then finally, the guy I was with, uh, he like threw a bunch of cold ass water on me one day, like in the middle of training. I cooled down. I went back to training. I was like back to my old self. So like once I discovered that things were generally okay. but uh, I competed uh, technically three times while I was out there, but two different uh, promotions. One was Suramericana, Suramericana, yeah, uh, which was a CBJJO for all of South America. And I had to compete in a weight class above me, and I ended up getting silver in that. So uh, I got silver in that competition, and then I went to another promotion where it was in a favela. and uh, So I was like in the ghetto, and... There was no air conditioning. And by by the way, both of these uh, competitions were no air conditioning, but it was like 120 degrees. It was so hot in there. And uh, I've competed with this one guy in Gi, and that was the closest I've ever come to heat stroke. Thank goodness I've never actually hit heat stroke. But I won that. um, So I won the belt for that. And then I went against another guy later. And by this time, I was freaking fried. And, uh, that was a nogi and he caught me in an arm bar, but I was just like ready for it to be over. Uh, so he won that. And so, yeah, I went there. I think I came out with like four wins at Brown belt. So that was kind of cool. Uh, and then at the end of it, I got promoted. So that was kind of a short version from beginning to end how the jujitsu went. I was just thinking as you're mentioning down there, there's no AC. And I just start thinking, it's like, you know, quite a few of my friends in Europe always talk about how they don't have AC. That's, then I really started, it was like, is that a North American thing? Is that what, you know, is that what we just do? It's just like, man, fuck this. Get some boxes and blow some cold air in this place. <laughs> and the rest of the world just like, pussies. <laughs> uh, um, it really... Like, it's really unbearable once you start doing indoor stuff and 
and because you don't realize, especially when you live in a colder place, like how much a room heats up, you know, even like huge rooms. So when you have all these bodies that are in there and they're yelling and sweating, then there's people competing and sweating and the ref is sweating, you know, like all that body heat is emitting and like radiating, but also getting trapped. And I live in Colorado and I've traveled all over and competed and trained all over the world. However, like for me, I'm used to Colorado where it's very dry mm -hmm. and we're high in elevation. So like the heat, even though it does get hot in the room, it still radiates off you pretty quickly. Dude, Brazil, it like with that humidity, the heat was just unbearable. Oh my God. It felt like it just kept getting worse and worse. Yeah. Until I discovered that I would start bringing ice water to different training sessions and then start throwing it all over my body. And that really, that made a huge difference. I just, even knowing it was there, it just made a huge difference. Yeah. It, like just thinking about it, like you're saying, um, you know, how the layout is, it's like, you know, these valleys. So, you know, it's already kind of muggy and sticky there. And now, like you say, you get in these rooms and everyone's there and, and the heat's generating, you know, off everyone. Like even in, in this basement, when I, record usually i'm here by myself because i'm doing this remotely like like we're doing here but once in a while i have guests over and with the lights above us and then yeah. you know because it's cold as fuck right now in this basement <laughs> like like it's just me but last week i had two other guests down here and it got hot quick like it, it warmed up quick you know because we're all kind of just in this boxed room yeah so i could only imagine just it was already sticky and, and and gross there now it's like oh now that we got this established why don't we just put a bunch of people in a room together okay oh you don't want to sit around here let's move around now let's do jujitsu oh wait don't forget to put your geese on make sure you have your geese on too we like we want to push you to that limit we want to see what heat stroke looks like in person so. yeah and by the way they they 99% of the training I saw there was gi. They don't really do no gi. So it's just like they're used to being. And I think the reason why they do gi is because as you see, like in no gi, everybody gets all sweaty and slippery and stuff. And there it's so bad. Like jujitsu barely happens because you're slipping and sliding all over the mats. You're slipping and sliding all over your partner. That's sounded bad. But that it's just. It, it's almost like it's not jujitsu. It's like, uh, you know what I mean? J-Rod or who is it? Nikki Rod, right? Yeah, like Nikki the Rod. whole time, everybody's <laughs> Nikki Rod. And <laughs> it's insane. So it makes sense. Like you put on the gi, now you have something to grab onto, something to keep the uh, – I imagine it would be like if you ever watch, you know, like the Marvel movies or whatever, and people are fighting in zero G and they're like having to hold onto each other to fight. Like that's the way yeah. I felt with how crazy and they don't the mats aren't like the mats that they have here if you ever have like tatami mats here you know where they have like ways of like creating grip to make it a little bit easier yeah. they don't have that you're just slipping everywhere it's insane and by the way you want to talk about the way they roll in brazil oh my god it's this is what i gathered people in brazil aren't doing jujitsu as recreation people in brazil 
do jujitsu for one of a few reasons. One, they belong to the police and it's like a life or death skill that they absolutely need because the way they go into the favelas to it's like life and death. It's not like, you know what I mean? It's like going into the worst part of Chicago times 10 because the police have been selling their guns to the favela. (laughs) So then other police have to go. It's it's a whole thing. So they need their jujitsu for like life or death situations. Then one of the other ones, it's that you plan on becoming a black belt and making a jujitsu empire of yourself, like for yourself. You know what I mean? You open your own school and train, but either way, it's for your livelihood. You're not there just to be like, there's no just getting a black belt because you wanted a black belt in jujitsu, you know? And then one of the main reasons that people are there is to compete and get out of Brazil, get a visa out of there, become uh, an MMA star and get out of Brazil or become a BJJ star and get sponsored outside of the United States. So people there, and I was in Taquara, Rio de Janeiro. So like people there are fighting for their lives. They're fighting for their livelihood. People there aren't rolling casually. So every single role, and I wish I kind of understood this when I first got there because I'm trying to roll like casual and, you know, not get, I went there with a couple injuries. So like I'm trying to not get hurt. I know I'm competing for my black belt. I'm trying to save my good roles, but for them, there's no such thing. Every fucking role is to show and prove yourself that you either deserve that visa or you deserve your professor sticking his neck out for you to, you know what I mean? Uh, refer you, you know what I mean? Like this is a guy I want, he has the connections, right? He's the black belt with connections. And so you're trying to prove to him that you deserve those connections. You deserve like his name, your name in his mouth. You know what I mean? And it's, they, they're, you never want to show yourself getting beat in front of a professor because he watches, he watches like vigilantly. And so I start to see this old school Brazilian jiu-jitsu make its way. Like why, you know, like I went to old school Brazilian jiu-jitsu academies when I first started and I see the difference. I see why they run the school the way they do because it's like bottom up. It's like their students need you. And so you become extremely important. And so they run it that way. Where as American jiu-jitsu, it's like, Hey, like I heard Jocko Willing say, I, I should do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Should I do it? And I'm like, yes, you should. And this is why you should spend hundreds of dollars every month to come do this. And, you know, on membership, on geese, on rash guards or whatever, you know, and it completely different dynamic where it's top down, where you're trying to convince people with their extra money, extra time and extra energy to come roll around with other men and get sweaty. So are women and the the roles become different and therefore the styles become different. So the United States is extremely creative and uh, style of jujitsu and Brazilians are extremely 
brutal style of jujitsu where it's like this technique will work because I've drilled it 10,000 times into the ground where Americans might be like, well, I have seven ways of doing that. So it's a little bit easier and a little bit more flowy, Hmm. which is also why I see Nogi jujitsu more prominent in the United States because one, they like the wrestling aspect aspect, but two, they can't have some Brazilian hold on to them with those fucking death grips. And so it doesn't stop them from doing techniques that they want to do. If that makes sense. Brazilians, they get a hold of you and it's like, I've drilled this 10,000 times in 120 degree weather in front of my professor to prove that I was a person who deserved to come to the United States. You know what I mean? Because they don't hand out visas out there. You really have to like earn your way to get out of Brazil. You're like essentially trapped there until like someone vouches for you or someone gives the money, like coughs up the money to say, okay, like I'm going to get you like, and it's usually somebody from the United States, like someone from the United States, like sponsors you in cause they have the money. And so you then have to be, have the connection to that person in the United States. There's a million people who want to make it out of Brazil. You know what I mean? So you're sitting here and let's say you're, uh, I don't know, like, uh, Minda's brother and you're going to sponsor somebody. And I don't know, I'm making up a name, you know, it's like, well, I want only sponsor the best people to come represent my best team. You know, who am I going to do with all that money? You know? And so it, am I, am, I, I know I'm like just freaking talking cause I have so much to talk about, but does that make sense? Am I making sense what I'm saying? No, no, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, it's basically earned, earned, not given. Oh yeah. So, you know, down there, like you said, they're, they're, they're fighting to get out. Like it, it is not a matter of recreation or funsies. Whereas mm-hmm. here, you know, like you said, you get somebody that says, "Oh, Jocko said I should do this," you know, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. well, maybe I should do this because I have extra time on my hands." Or and, and then then there's also the other side to that too, where right, I'm going to do this. Oh man, this is hard. I think I'm going to go ahead and quit now. Mm-hmm. Whereas it sounds like down there, it's hard. You know, it's hard. Yeah. And, and like you're in it for that. The why is prominent for them every single day. You know what I mean? Because they live in the favelas or they live in a bad place, you know? And the extra little money that you could summon up that – because they don't buy things recreationally there, You know, most people. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is they don't have extra resources. If you have money, it's going towards food. It's going towards – where you live, you know what I mean? It's going for necessities. And so they're going to spend the little extra money that they have on this thing called jujitsu. And yeah, you, it's like you encourage that you're safe. You know what I mean? A little bit safer. Uh, you know, there, there's that aspect of it, but in the United States, no one is, are very few people, uh, are training just to train Are, Sorry. I, I said that backwards. Very few people are training to, to not just to train. So they're training for like their health or their mental health or to, um, you know, help with, you know, confidence issues or whatever. So for a Brazilian tra- to train just to train is rare. So even your training partners are, you know, they're the most vicious people. And in the United States, 
you're not training to become a black belt usually you're not training to open up your own academy you have your own career you have your own path of what you identify you know what i mean yeah it's like you're not i'm not trying to grow up to be a a martial artist because that is rare you know what i mean think about how many black belts there are and think about how many schools there are i know it's blown up recently but it's still relatively low you know Mm -hmm. a lot of black belts have their own careers and they do things that where you know jujitsu is not 100 percent of their life so correct they're not doing it as a survival instinct. Their why is completely different. And the why for Brazilians, it's like they face it every single day. You're like, yo, I I've got I can smell that visa. You know, like <laughs> there's, you know, you know, kind of the just thought to that as well, like we're saying here with the US and and what it means to do jujitsu here versus there, you know, like I said, it's not an, it's not a, a necessity for us mm-hmm. here, not for most of us. You know, there there are some individuals that, you know, you got MMA fighters where that that is now kind of is like, look, all I have is this. This is all I know how to do. You know, you know, this is the only thing I, the only option I have. I mean, we have John Jones as an example there where. You know, he was a, you know, a Juco wrestler and he needed something. He had a kid on the way. So I was like, well, fuck, you know, I got to mm-hmm. guess I'm going to go fight, you know, be a, be a fucking gladiator, you know, but again, here it's not as prevalent as it sounds like down there, because down there, like you said, it's just, you know, chaos mayhem. So, you know, up here, there are some safe havens. There are pockets where you're like, okay, well, I don't have to do this. You know, right. you, you got kids that are growing up in, in Chicago, Detroit, Baltimore, you know, that are like, you know, the only way out for me is, you know, sports or, or, or you know, rapping or music or something, entertainment. And then, you know, you got, you know, a lot more people here that are like, well, I'm all right. I'm just going to go to college, you know, or I'm going to, you know, go learn a trade. You know, I'll be all right. You know, right. It, it, it's not so dire. To try to get, you know, from point A to point B, where it sounds like down there, it's like, look, man, I don't want to be here no more. And you know that that goes into, you know, I don't want to necessarily steer this into a political, you know, um, uh, commentary on like, you know, when people, you know, look at the United States and they're like, oh, you know, it sucks here, it sucks here, I want to be here. Then it's like, I don't know, man. They don't like, know. People, they don't know. I've traveled. I'm not like the most well-traveled human ever. I want to be. (laughs) Like that's my goal in life is to be like extremely traveled. I I speak like a few different languages. You know what I mean? And my goal is to like interact not only with the culture, but with the language. And um, as I travel, the more and more you, the more and more you realize like, oh my God, the United States is like the best. And someone uh, made a very good, uh analogy where it's like who who won the last world series um i don't even know yeah i'm gonna make Uh, i'm gonna make up one houston that that seems i'm gonna say houston i I think Houston. okay Houston. it doesn't matter to the point right but houston was the best in the world 
Do they have the best pitcher, the best batters, the best coaches, the best this, the best? No, they didn't have the best everything. They had the best overall. You know, they might have had the worst shortstop in the league, but the overall team like kept it alive, you know? And the United States, as you start to realize like, yeah, there's faults and there's flaws. Of course, it's a giant country that rules the free world. You know, or I, I guess is like, the the front runner of leadership for the free world but god it by far is the place for opportunity and once you start going to other countries and realize how they're trapped and how they're not allowed to talk about certain things or um how easy it is to go to jail and there's like there's not like a lawyer who's gonna be like oh this guy's in jail unfairly and like someone's gonna look out for you like you either have to be on your best fucking behavior and do all the right things are your, it's like no go for you. You know what I mean? And yeah. you're trapped there. And well, the only ways to survive there is either join like a drug ring or like, you, you know what I mean? It's just people don't realize that in the United States, you can avoid so much havoc because the system is set up because it's encouraging you to create economy. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So it, the more and more I travel, the more I'm like, oh, the United States is pretty awesome. And I'm sure there are other countries that are pretty awesome, but they're usually like what they call it, like, uh, not is it homogeneous, homogenous, like marriage, but like homogenous. What, what the word where it's like the same, right? You're all the same race, you're all the same religion. There's only a hundred thousand yeah. of you, you know what I mean? And I yeah, haven't I, been to those countries. I, I think there's a point there, though, too, that you just made there with the population. It's usually a lower, much lower population, you know, because yeah. I have friends in, you know, Sweden, you know, Finland, places like that. And it's like, oh, seems pretty fucking cool up there. Pretty nice. But it's like also, too, you know, we have more people in New York City <laughs> than they have in their entire country. Well, even so, think about even think about New York City, multilingual, multicultural. You know what I mean? And they allow immigration. These other countries are smaller than New York. One language, you know what I mean? Generally, uh, sometimes they have multiple languages, but uh, same culture, same race. They don't allow immigration. You know what I mean? They're like 99.9% natives to their country or, um, you know, giving exaggeratory yeah. numbers. But, you know, it when you go down to Brazil and you see the way they treat people and immigrants and other things like and you look at these other countries like dude and then you realize that brazil is one of the most reliable ways they can get out you know what i mean and then they take that commitment to their jujitsu to their discipline you know what i mean training multiple times a day training through injuries and uh it's that's a kind of rolling the only bad thing is i can talk about this a little bit later is I would say that their creativity is not like American creativity. Amer like American jujitsu has this creativity that I haven't seen or experienced that has any parallel. Americans are always like, oh, I found a better way of do it. Let's kind of like expose this and sure. uh, get it out, challenge it, try it. You know, where they down there, there's no there's not a lot of room for growth in terms of technique. They just stick to the shit that works and that they know works for them. And the professors don't like you seeing, trying things outside of that. And that, that makes sense. Thinking about when, you know, watching 
you know, the, you know, first UFC, you know, the first few were, you know, Waze Gracie is out there winning with jiu-jitsu, going back and watching it now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, comparing it to the jiu-jitsu today, obviously there's going to be a major difference in the styles anyway, but then also kind of just thinking what you said there. It's like they take a move and, you know, they they drill it into the ground. It's, you know, so when you see Hoist Gracie winning with this bizarre choke, and it's like, what the fuck was that? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, it, it's not the most perfect looking rear naked choke, but it is that, you know, he was able to get it, you know, from a bizarre angle, you know, things like that. Whereas, yeah. like, you look at jiu you know, and you're looking at it from today's eyes, like, oh, I don't fuck that guy up. That jiu-jitsu <laughs> trash was like, no, you wouldn't. That dude will murder you. Like, because because he will make that move work. Like, whereas you're like, oh, well, there's a different path. I can yeah. I can go here. And, and it, it, it makes sense just thinking about it, even hearing, like, my coach always having said to me, you know, take a move and make it yours drill it 10,000 times and once you get to 10,000 drill it 10,000 more times you know yeah. make it yours you know cuz my coach was very much like my original coach he was very much like we're here this is what we're doing meanwhile the game was growing and changing and we weren't changing with it at that time mm-hmm. so it definitely yeah. makes sense i think actually though that's why hickson was so good Right. I think he called it something else, but I call it flow where he was able to transition from move to move to move to move. And so it's like, no matter where you were, you were in a bad position with Hickson because he always had an answer. You know what I mean? And that's now I think the same style that uh, like uh, John Danaher's team has right with New Wave is the idea is like they just have an answer for everywhere you land. You know what I mean? And for them, they do it as a flow chart. You know, and, and the way I perceive how they talk about it and the way I watch them and stuff, like if this happens, then I have this option. If they react this way, then I go this and it's this giant programming flow chart. And I think, and I say this with all the respect in the world, I genuinely think that uh your boy Gordon Ryan has autism. He's on the spectrum, and so that's the way he I can agree. just remember all of it. He just remembers the flow chart. And I think Danaher is has some other special quality for him just to bury his soul into understanding that flow chart, which is why it's like extremely boring for us to watch, but also one of the most efficient forms of jujitsu out there. You know what I mean? Like he just has an answer for everything. So no, I get you. Yeah. And I think Hickson was somebody who like established it. And like, like I said, I just think he just was one of the first because the way everyone would describe his jujitsu was so much different than the rest of the Gracie's, you know what I mean? But what ends up happening is, Oh, you're going to be a black belt under me, my like, and my name's Gracie. You know what I mean? Like you're going to teach this move the exact way I know how it works and you're going to drill it step one, two, three, four. It's going to be exactly this. And if you're going to open up a school under my name, you better be like basically a puppet of me because you're representing me and my name's going to be around and I'm going to, and I will have a reputation that follows my name. You know what I mean? And so what ends up happening uh, for the, you know, there's different generations of jujitsu, but for that generation of jujitsu, you have all these people in the United States, the only people, the only way to get jujitsu is through Brazilians. And those Brazilians have an exact way of 
moves the way they teach the moves and demonstrate the moves and execute the moves. So everybody then is subject to that style of teaching. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not until we get the American generation of jujitsu where it's more open. You know what I mean? Like, like, no, I can do this, you know, how I want to coach it. And you get like this massive explosion and new styles and new techniques and different ways of flipping. And, you know, like there's a little bit of that before, but I really attribute Americans to adding a giant dynamic to jujitsu. And like you said, with Hoist Gracie, it was like, I am, I am forcing my way to that choke. You know what I mean? Between me and that choke, I'm forcing my way there where I'm, American jiu-jitsu is like, well, I'm going for the choke, but if you resist this way, then I have this option. If they resist that way, I have that option. And so I've noticed with Nogi, Brazilians have been forced to adapt to American jiu-jitsu 100%. When you have Mika Galvao, you know what I mean? You have people from Atos who are competing in ADCC. You notice that they, and they're even they are a little bit behind sometimes, but they're having to adapt to what American jiu-jitsu has presented. You know what I mean? They didn't like heel hooks. They didn't like this. They didn't like inverting. They talk smack about it all the time. But now you see these successful Brazilians have all taken on that style and they're with it, you know? Uh, even Mika Galval got foot locked, you know, at ADCC. So, but then you start talking about IBJJF and Gi, and that's what Brazilians super care about, right? Who's winning the federations, you know? Then that's when you see the Brazilian jiu-jitsu really being king because that's what it takes to win. It takes that traditional, you do this a thousand times because there's less body dynamic in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know what I mean? There's less. Sure. If somebody's holding on to me, I can't make my body go this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, where in Nogi, you can absolutely make that happen. Instead, it's more technical in the ways of ways you stop people from moving and then implementing your game in, in Gi. There was, um, you know, just thinking about that when you brought up ADCC versus IBJJF, there was a conversation going on on one of my posts. And I'm, I was trying to find it just now where they were talking about uh, points on a takedown. And, uh, you know, they were like, well, you know, the, you know, that person got shafted under points and then somebody else came in, you know, arguing about what well, a point shouldn't matter anyway, because, you know, you're there, you know, really to submit submission, you know, is what trumps it all. You know, it doesn't matter how many points you have. If you get tapped, you get tapped. And, you know, even thinking about that and, you know, conversations that I've had with teammates and friends about IBJJF and, you know, for four minutes, you know, I heard, a, I haven't heard it so much lately, but I want to say like maybe right before COVID, maybe into COVID, you know, 2020, there's a lot of like just down talking to be IBJJF, you know, people are just didn't like the, the rule set. They, they, you know, they're, you know, this was before they let, uh, allow leg locks too. So they're and like, the yeah, yeah. They're just like, 
upset about it and just like boo to IBJJF. <laughs> and then and then I start seeing more ADCC cropping up, and mm-hmm. more posts about that. And and you know it does kind of like you said, kind of plays into the ideal of new wave jujitsu. You know, whereas the game is changing, the game is growing. You know, you know I still know people that you know they don't really mess with leg locks, like. Leg locks aren't a thing for them, or you, you know, and you get some places that's all they focus on mm-hmm. the leg locks, and and it's interesting because it, in my mindset, it should be kind of a meshing of the two worlds. When when you know at my academy, when we work on leg locks, it's just not primarily on the leg lock. It's like here's the leg lock we're going to work on, but then here are the other options around that leg lock because. Mm-hmm. It may not always be there. And then also, how are we going to get to that leg lock? There might be some other options before you even get to the leg lock where you may not need to use that. But once you land here, whereas, you know, you see other places are just like, yep, we're just going to work on leg locks. Well, how do we get to that, coach? Yeah, we get yeah. there. We, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my belief, and I believe this strongly. And I think, and I know I'm a new black belt, but I think if you're a black belt worth your salt, this you would have this reign true as well and that it always always comes back to fucking fundamentals it always does and you see these trends all the time and for example if you're if you're into working out you'll see workout trends all the time it's like oh there's this whole thing about instability and then personal trainers all they do is instability you know what i mean like they're on exercise balls they're doing this and it's like they completely just like ran away from the fundamentals and sure enough after you know a few years of that new wave and new trend now you have some instability exercises with your workout however it's like fundamentals still reign supreme you know what i mean and you see that all all over the place you kettlebells people just like abandoned working out we're only working on kettlebells now kettlebells like have a place in their workout but it's not all kettlebells and Man, it it's incredible to see those trends, but in jujitsu you see them as well, where it's like, wow, we found this new uh you know, worm guard. You know what I mean? And someone's tried worm guard for the first time, they saw it get executed in the first uh you know, world championship and that it got used and they're like, Oh my god, this is amazing. So everybody starts using it, it has its little success, you know, highlight videos and stuff, and then it's slow, you know, as people start to mess with it and they're like oh this is a way to stop worm guard and then it kind of like slows down and of course like you can do a worm guard you know what i mean if, if it has the right application but it's like not the end all be all and people who base their entire game around it and had some semi-success before people knew how to defend it like yeah i get it but now what what do you have if you can't get to the worm guard dude it always comes back to the fundamentals and that's what drives yes. me freaking crazy you when leg locks leg locks got really popular you know what I mean? Like now people only have a leg lock game because it works so well for a long time. But now if I can stop your leg lock and you have no traditional fundamentals, dude, you're screwed. You are screwed. And if you don't successfully get to the leg lock, the likelihood of you being in a dominant position afterwards is very low. You know what I mean? And so sometimes you have to put yourself in these vulnerable positions to get these fancy moves. And it's just not like uh false reaping and uh outside ashi from clo- or from uh bottom guard and stuff like 
you put yourself in there to go for this leg lock. And then once you get smashed and now your back's getting taken, like, yo, it's gotta be fundamentals first. And you got to branch out from successful fundamentals. You know, if you land in Ashi because you got there from a dominant, like uh fundamental approach, I guarantee the likelihood of you finishing that goes way up. And I have this conversation all the time. You see the highlight videos of people getting these leg locks, but they earned 99% of the time they earned the right to get there. If you, you, if you woke up or if you got raised watching Tokyo drift and you wanted to drag race, and then you get your license. And the first thing you do is try to drag race. You're going to fuck some, some shit up. Like those people, earned the right to drag race. They earned the fundamentals of how the car works. They know what tires they're on. They know what terrain they're on. They know, you know what I mean? What kind of car they're dealing with. There's a lot that goes into it to make them successful at drag racing. If you get behind the wheel of a car for the first time and try to pull that shit off, you're going to either fuck the car up, fuck yourself up, fuck somebody else up. It's the same thing with jujitsu. You, you have to earn the right through successful fundamentals to get there. And I know that's a rant, but I talk to my students all the time about it. Because it drives me freaking crazy that that's all they want. They want to just dive to the leg lock. You know, they want to make the highlight reel. But if you talk about self-defense, jujitsu, competition, jujitsu, and even the martial art itself, you're going to, you're going to have overall a very low success rate. I agree. Definitely. I look at that when sometimes I'll do a repost and, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe in fundamentals. That's just, like I said, that's where it has to start. If I post, you know, some basic fundamental stuff, you know, I'll, I'll get a good blend of responses, mostly like positive, you know, especially if you're just showing something super basic. It's like, yeah, you know, that's a great post that, you know, that's a great, great technique. Um, you know, people forget about it. But then you'll get the people that will say, oh, no one's just going to let you have that. That's like. It's like, well, no, I mean, you're still going to have to earn that position, but I'm showing it from a drilling perspective. Like, right. You got to drill the move first. You got to drill. Like, if you can't do it slow, you're not going to be able to do it fast. Right. So, you know, th that it, it's all relative. And, you know, as you just look at the way this, this game continues to grow, you almost get this fear that at some point people are going to, kind of forget what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fundamentals are. And then, you know, kind of the newer things now are considered the fundamentals. And it's like, oh, I mean, you still have to get there first. Because like I said, if you're getting to a very complex, um, you know, position to get a hill hook, it's like, okay, but you're sacrificing a lot to get there. Mm. You know, there's so many steps along the way that you could hit something else. Before right. even get into that hill hook, you know, why not take that instead of going for the highlight reel? Because, I mean, that's today's age, you know, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, social media wave. Like, people want to be viral famous. And, you know, they want those. I, I get so many videos sent to me of, like, highlight, you know, real type submissions. Like, that's cool, you know. And sometimes I'll share them, you know, just depending on what it looks like. Cause it's like, okay, if it looks sloppy, like my teammates been sending me uh, these videos and I'm not going to mention the promotion, but it, like it, it's really sloppy jujitsu. It's just oh, like, yeah. there's a lot of movement going on, but there's no real jujitsu taking place. It's just 
all this movement. And, you know, I wonder if it's under the ideal of we want to promote ourselves as an entertainment thing. We want people to be interested in jujitsu. But if you're looking at like good jujitsu and people really work in their position, it's not fast. It's not flashy. It, it is tedious, you know, because, you know, you're not just going to cartwheel pass, you know, into something great, you know, you well, know yeah. cartwheel pass. It, you, like you're sacrificing something there and it could get ugly. Do if you watch, okay, let's, let's talk about if you watch even the world series of baseball, it's the best baseball that's out there. Right. Um, when you watch the highlight, you're seeing 5% of the entire game. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only where the action is when you watch Gordon Rice, Gordon Ryan versus Andre Galvao, which should be arguably the best jujitsu that's happened. You know what I mean? Like, could you argue anything else? And I don't know, like the head of Atos and the best Nogi grappler to walk the planet. And that, that should be the best jujitsu we should ever see. And did we see anything fancy? Hell no. no. We saw a traditional takedown. We saw a very good back take. And we saw a slow grind to the choke, a yes. rear naked fucking choke. Guess what? Hoist Gracie is still relative. <laughs> like, <laughs> The back, the rear naked choke, the back take, rear naked choke, that's fundamentals. But mm -hmm. you watch the highlight of it, and it looks pretty cool. It looks pretty exciting. You know what I mean? You, When I do jujitsu and I post my highlight reels, there's, it's the tip of the iceberg. You yes. know what I mean? 99% of the match was boring. It was setting up quality fundamentals. You know? Ooh. And you, if you were to watch my match, I bet you would fast forward through a lot of it you know what i mean but it it doesn't matter it's like i earned my way to the highlight does that make sense like for sure it it was a concentrated takedown it was a concentrated side control to mount it was a concentrated you know what i mean uh isolation of the arms and then it's like once they get desperate right i i have this example i teach everybody where uh there's two examples i talk about one is i put you in a room and then I gas you out. I, you know, throw in a bunch of gas and then you run to the only exit and I'm waiting there with a bat. You know what I mean? So I like, I gas you and then you get desperate to run to the exit and that's where my uh, submission is. Right. Or the other one I say is I put you in my realm. So it's like, I force you to run through a minefield while I'm shooting at you. So you have to pay attention to two different things. Where are my feet going and where am I getting shot at from? So in, eventually you're going to step on a mine or get shot. So that though only happens. Those highlights are only set up because I've slowly condensed that, that fundamental aspect where I, I, I smoked you out and I forced you to get desperate for the, the exit signs. So what, what you're saying the when you watch those highlight reels from ADCC or from grappling industries or Naga or whatever, and they're posting, you know what I mean? It's because it's flashy. Of course it is. It's like yeah. when you're hyping up the world series, you know what I mean? When you're, when you're getting the top, uh, the top 10 plays of the NFL, because it gets you attracted. Like I don't want to miss a second of that game because I know this cool stuff can happen. And so they are getting rid of all the fundamentals that happened. They say all this cool shit happens at IBJJF, but also 99% of IBJJF matches are 
you know, I'm coming up with 99%. I don't know, but a super <laughs> high percentage yeah. uh, is actually just playing close guard, playing half guard, you know, like setting yeah. up your game. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. a rant I've been talking about my students. So it's probably why I'm a little emotional about it right now. <laughs> it's quite all right. I, I get it. Um, I think just like one more point of what you're saying is like if, you know, people are watching your match, you know, fast forward through, you know, most of them to get to the highlight. I mean, I think that's the unfortunate thing, though, too, with watching grappling is if you're fast forwarding through, you're missing a lot, even though it may be, you know, slow in position play. I think that's still important, though, to watch because, you know, if you end up in that situation, it's like, OK, have I drilled this? Have I seen this? Is this familiar to me? Like, where, where should I go from here? What should I do here? Where should I apply pressure there? And, and I know sometimes when you're watching, you can't, you know, you can't see things like pressure. Like, sometimes you can, but, you know, for the most part, you know, there might be just like a, a tiny bit of control mm. like behind the knee that you got that people can't see. And yes, people can find that boring, but it's like, if you know, you know. Like right. My science teacher once said that, you know, I think freshman year, high school, he was pointing out science, there's a lot going on. And if you're in the know, you'll be able to pick out those things versus if you're not, you just right. see it as, okay, this is going on. He used um, pro wrestling as an example. It's like he could watch pro wrestling. He won't see all these little intricate movements going on, you know, little signals being thrown. Whereas if you're a fan and you're into it, you're going to catch, you know, the little signals. And that's the same thing for jujitsu. It's like there are little things that take place that we should all kind of be in the pocket for that to be interested in. But I just think a, a huge part of life these days is like the tension span isn't there. People just want to get to the get to the goods. I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. That so, instant gratification, I think, mm -hmm. is a big part of it. But they want to do the stuff that's crazy and fun and not yeah. – but that is only – you know, everyone wants to do the Tokyo Drift stuff. You know, everyone wants to hit home runs. Everyone, you know, wants to do these things. But it's the years of fundamentals that earn that. You know what I mean? And I used to, when I, I, I was huge into competitive baseball growing up. And one of the things we used to say is like, dude, home run hitters strike out the most sometimes. You know what I mean? They have low batting averages. Yeah. It's because they're getting rid of the fundamentals to swing for the fences. But guess what? Who gets paid a lot are the home run hitters. So mm -hmm. like it, it, you know what I mean? Like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. But then the people who are making the people who are making your team win are the ones who have the high batting averages, just reliably getting on base, not home run hitters. Yeah. Well, that's what we talk about in basketball when we used to play. You know, we're the young, flashy team. We're the young guys. We were just <laughs> running circles around these dudes. We ran into a team of old guys, and they beat the piss out of us with fundamentals. <laughs> and, we, like, we had to take a step back and think about that. It was like, these dudes just did basic pass the ball here, pick and roll there, pick and roll layup. And it was like, holy shit. And meanwhile, we're running gun. You know, we're going for fast breaks. We're pulling up for threes unnecessarily. 
you know, we're, we're like driving, you know, driving down the lane, trying to like get all fancy and make the highlight. Cause we had a friend, you know, recording the games for us. And meanwhile, we go against this, this veteran team in the, in the championship. They just beat the fuck out of us. And it wasn't like it was a close game. No, <laughs> they were just fundamentally better than us. They get the rebound. They bring the ball up court slowly. They use the shot clock against us very well. And, you know, we had to go back to the drawing board and really think like, wow, like, where do we mess up? But the yeah. thing is, everybody else was trying to play into our game. So that's why we were able to thrive. But then the old guys made us play into their game. And we Dude, didn't have that. That's a perfect. I talk about that frequently. If you chase somebody else's game and you're responding to everything they're doing, that's when you have them running through the minefield. You know what I mean? Like you can get shot at at the same time. You cannot, you cannot do that. You like, if you have a good enough fortification, you make them come to you. You know what I mean? And then you expose that it, everyone's trying to chase it. Once you realize how valuable and effective fundamental technique is, man, it shuts down athleticism every single time. I promise. Your athleticism, yes. once you get to purple belt, and I think that's the a big distin- distinction at purple belt, is you can shut down spazziness, athleticism with just basic fundamentals because it's so reliable and effective for you. Man, you like you said, you, it's energy conservation, you know, bringing up the ball slow. You know what I mean? So you're not getting tired and sloppy. You know what I mean? And same thing when you have good frames and you're not chasing somebody's offense. We got this new purple belt who moved here from our gym and he's been trying to do cartwheel pass running around and it's easy to shut his game down. And I re I'm starting to realize that other gyms aren't forcing their students to have good fundamentals because I take it that the reason he got a purple belt her purple belt is other people in his gym uh, probably didn't have the best of fundamentals. And so all this, flippity floppity passing worked really well and they got over they got overwhelmed you know what i mean they were trying to chase the movement and so he exposed the fact that people are opening themselves up with their movement you know what i mean to scramble his way into a side control or something and uh our students have been like drilled like to shut that shit down you know what i mean so anyway it's uh it, it's I'm starting to see a lot of other gyms unless you're like the top 10% of your gym, but most of the foundation of other gyms are chasing the highlight reels. They're chasing the movement and they're chasing the win. They're not chasing the learning and they're not chasing the fundamentals and at our gym do. Okay. I'm going to go off on another tangent. I'm sorry, but I'm excited <laughs> about this. It's we all right. This little kid, we have this little kid at our gym that, I've been talking about him a lot. He, I don't know how old he is, seven, eight, maybe. I can't remember how old he is, but uh, he, when his dad brought him in, his dad was a boxer and like a quite a good boxer. And so he's very competitive, very aggressive uh, type of personality. But his son was so like soft, I guess you would say timid, you know, and when he would come to line up in the class, like there would be everybody lined up where they're supposed to be. And then he would be at the end, like 10 feet away from everybody, scared to even line up with anybody. 
and he would get pushed around. He would cry. And it was just like his dad, though, he saw the vision. He was very aggressive. He goes, can we do private lessons? I was, Absolutely. We slowly started getting this kid, you know what I mean, to, hey, it's okay to be, get rattled a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but you got to keep going. This is what grappling is. Dude, this dude, uh, he got his first gold medal at a competition. And there's a school, and I wouldn't say they're rivals with us, but we go and compete heavy. This other school competes heavy. And uh, they got some star players and we're starting to finally bring some people who can beat their star players, right? But they got this one kid who like almost never loses. This kid who couldn't even, you know, less than a year ago, couldn't even line up with the rest of the class because he was so timid and he was so like beat down, beats this kid, gets, you know, hip bump sweep, gets him out, holds him. The, it holds him for the last minute and a half, almost gets a submission. When the match is over, the other kid like starts to pass out. And I don't know if it was like an emotional thing or a physical thing, but this kid made a star player from another uh, gym almost pass out. And he like, he got so much power from that, but he started to realize his power with getting to the technique because he's not the most athletic. He's not the strongest but he started getting to the technique and pushing the technique that works. Went down to Albuquerque a couple weeks after that with a few different students. And then he wins double gold and Gi and Nogi. And he like, his confidence is crazy. And now he's going against uh, some of the best students in our class. And he used to get overwhelmed by their like flips and athleticism, but he just gets to his technique. And uh, I promoted him to gray belt and he won four matches in this last competition in Denver at gray belt at his first gray belt thing. Uh, and I think he was in a, either a age or weight bracket below him. But anyway, the reason I love this kid is because he found strength and technique. He never got stronger. He never got, he might've gotten a little bit more athletic, but I see him lock into the technique if he wants like this arm drag, he's getting this arm drag. If he wants a close guard sweep, he's getting it. And if it, you shut him down, he's got something else right behind it. And he just realized how powerful the technique was that he could shut down somebody bigger and stronger than him. He could shut down somebody who moved faster than him because he had tools that were reliable. And so now he's like, I look at him like a handyman. It's like, it doesn't matter what like problem, like, what problem you got in your house? No problem. I got the tools for that. Like he just walks in there with confidence and his dad, he's like, dude, you're changing lives. And I was like, no, like he's figuring it out. You know what I mean? You could have found that jujitsu anywhere, but he's the one who internalized how effective that technique is, how effective the fundamentals are. And with this basic fundament, and he does some cool stuff. Now he'll get arm bars, belly down, arm bars, arm bars, cool back takes, but it, it all stemmed from the foundational fundamentals that he learned to love and rely on. And the other kids who learned to rely on flipping around and being too much, you know, sensory overload for the other people, for the other kids, like mm -hmm. they're the ones who are getting a little bit halted by the, the technique. And they're starting to realize, Oh, you know what I mean? They're having to pull back in their game where this kid is now like fucking full send. You know what I mean? It's just crazy to see where he came from. So that's a tangent where it's just like, I love seeing it come to life. And I love seeing 
that my philosophy isn't just garbage because I'm seeing my students go and compete and being extremely successful in competition. And we're a new school. You know, I mean, I'm a young black belt, but I really bury myself into this. And the people who are using my moves, I'm seeing be successful. And people who are using YouTube moves, I'm seeing not be successful. And they're getting beat by basic fundamentals. So like that kid, he he's kind of like uh, there. And there's a few. There's a, a few other kids who went in the competition uh, a week later and they each won double gold, uh, these siblings. And they got uh, finally got their gray belts and they got them a little bit early because of how well they're doing. But this kid had no athleticism, like no backbone. No. And I, it's mean to say that, but he was just so, I don't know, like feeble would be the word. And now he's like a fucking force to be reckoned with. You know what I mean? Like he's game to roll with anybody. He and people are nervous to roll with him when he goes to competition. He's like, who is this? Pfft. Let's go. Let's do it. You know, and that that all stems not because he started lifting weights or got faster or whatever. It stemmed from the fact that he realized good foundational fundamentals thrive. And with that power, he has now built his strength and built his athleticism on top of that. And that is extremely like as a coach and as someone who's trying to establish himself as a leader in this martial art, it's very encouraging. You know what I mean? That people are lifted up and I can give them that because I can't give somebody strength. You know what I mean? Like I only have one hour with you to teach you technique. I can't give you athleticism. I can, I can lay the foundation. I can give you mats. I can let you roll live all you want. I can whatever, but I can give you technique. And when I see that trump everything else, that's like, okay, like your dollar is worth something here. When you pay for something for me, I'm giving you something legitimate back. So I feel bad for people at other gyms that are basically just charging to be an open mat, I guess. So yeah, I'll go ahead and stop talking now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that was a lot. No, that was great. Actually, it, it as you're mentioning the kid and, you know, He's not athletic. He didn't have the athleticism coming into this. It reminds me of, you know, one of my teammates um, when I started. Um, and, you know, I've mentioned this on the podcast before for anyone listening. You know, this kid, you know, was there for my trial. And, you know, they made me work when he was 14. And he's just oh, yeah. wiping the floor with me. And I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> you know, I wasn't a you know I wasn't a little grown ass man. You know, I was jacked. You know, just muscles, and I'm an athlete. He's beating my ass, and then you know, then I start hearing the story about him. He he was the same way. He wasn't an athlete. He came in, and jujitsu became his sport, and it was because of the fundamentals. He was very fundamentally sound. You now you know you start thinking about Gordon Ryan. One of the things he said about himself, he was like, you know, I'm not athletic. I mean, it's, it's hard to even think that when you look at it. It's like, no, oh, yeah. dude, <laughs> you look athletic. But, <laughs> but, you know, his whole point was, like, my jiu-jitsu is built to take away your athleticism if you're athletic. You mm -hmm. know, if you're a fast guy, I need to shut that down and bring you to my game. So, you know, and I think that all, again, stems from fundamentals, just, just basic jiu-jitsu and – 
and keeping it simple versus again getting flashy we had a student you know when i was you know working with the kids class we had this one kid he's a natural athlete he could do all the drills everything all all, all the warm-ups he he moved he moved well and we had this other little kid who was kind of coming up it's one of those things like a unrealized potential with mm-hmm. the other kid it's like you know like you are athletic you just don't know that you are athletic i was that way as a little little kid i didn't know i was athletic i was just <laughs> like oh you're fast what the fuck is that what and, is like i don't know what that means but uh one day that other kid he figured it out and the, you know the kid who was super flashy and doing all the cartwheel passes and you know inverting and everything the other kid starts smashing them Mm-hmm. And then the super athletic kid started kind of having a bad attitude about it. Yeah. Because he was no longer the the top dog, the star athlete. It's like you are, though. You're still a great athlete. You're still a top dog. It's just like, you know, he caught up to you. And the thing is, yeah. it's like if they're catching up to you, now you need to pick up your pace. It's like when I think about pro wrestling. You know, in, in the Attitude Era with uh, The Rock and Triple H, those two characters kind of grew with each other, you mm-hmm. know, as they grew up, you know, kind of working the Intercontinental title circuit. You know, they're <laughs> fighting back and forth for that. And then they, they both get up to the world title, you know, the heavyweight title, you know, part, and they're fighting each other there. You know, they, they build off of each other and grew together. And I think that's important in the gym when it's like, okay, you got that one kid who's, you know, he's growing he's catching up now you got the kid that's up there okay now he's caught up to you now now build off each other yeah and then even with building off each other you have a you know a whole team around you as well you know inspire them encourage them yeah you know work to because the thing is with jiu-jitsu in in any combat sport really you know like boxing wrestling jiu-jitsu muay thai kickboxing you're in there by yourself in the competition portion but the, the team part comes in training. That's your team. And then, you know, having that teamwork growing together and having your team there supporting you at your competition, that's all so important. And I, I don't know anyone that doesn't see that now, but there was a point where I saw cats that was just like, you know, me, me, me. This is all me. It was mm-hmm. like, I mean, we all work together, son. We got to do this together. You can't be the best at jujitsu by yourself period. Yeah. You need training oh. partners and you need good training partners. Mm-hmm. And the bed, the better your training partners are, the better you will be period. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's no ifs, ands or buts. And like you were talking about, uh, when you have a bunch of athleticism and you don't have technique, the way I view it is like a bullet outside of a chamber. If I throw a bullet inside of a fire, it's not going to like, it's not going to explode and the bullet's going to go off at Mach one somewhere. You know what I mean? It's that just doesn't happen. You need a closed chamber for, you know, the expansion of gas to be confined in, you know what I mean? So that way it pushes the bullet out with that expansion. So it's you, what I try to tell people is like uncontained or uncontrolled energy. It's just that it will, it will lose like, uh, that's the conservation of energy. It's just blah. But if you could harness that energy into one chambered or one channel, you know what I mean? Like in a gun, that's what makes the bullet effective. You have all the gunpowder, 
all the elements, all the things. But if you don't have it in the right channel or the right chamber, it's nothing. It's just a paperweight, I guess, you know, yeah. I don't know. So you, if you need that potential, you have all the potential. Yeah. But man, if you're not putting yourself to be molded in the right environment, then you're basically not wasting your time, of course, but like you're not using your time proficiently or efficiently rather okay. at all. I, I agree. It's like you can still get there, but you're making it harder for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're doing the, the one example I like to use is like you were so concentrated on getting there that you took the worst vehicle there and you kept breaking down along the way. The person who fixed their car and made their car efficient, proficient, self-sufficient before they even left will get to the destination, even though they left later, you know? So for me, my white belts, the whole goal of my white belt is to unlearn bad habits. So I think we talked about this a little bit last time. When you learn a new language, the reason why you have an accent is not because you're having difficulty making new sounds. That's one problem. Actually, the main problem is you're trying to make new sounds via the sounds your brain or already knows how to make. So how are you going to make this R? Well, this is how I say R in my language. So I'm going to try to say R in your language with this sounding R. And it's hard for your brain to unlearn that. That's your problem, actually, is taking paths already known to do to go on un, uh, uncommon paths. So now in jujitsu, it's the same thing. It's like, when you're in a fight, you just want to attack and grab somebody and move forward, but that's how you get swept. So it's like white belts, you're unlearning these bad habits first. Let's not worry about winning. Let's not worry about the crazy heel hooks. Let's not worry about all these crazy moves that you could do. Let's unlearn these bad habits. Let's get you learning the fundamentals. Let's focus on the hips. Let's focus on the neck. You know what I mean? This is how you're going to do this. This is how you're going to do that. And now that you're out of these bad habits, Let's get you doing some techniques in the blue belt style. You know what I mean? And that uh, has really helped. So th I think this kid that I was talking to you about earlier, he did an excellent job on learning bad habits. And uh, that's when you fix the car. Let's fix the car and make it the best car before I leave on this journey. People who are athletic, athletic, they're like, oh, I need to get there now. I want to be the first one there. And so they take off, but their car breaks down constantly. And then they have to find like, oh man, I've never run into this problem before. How am I going to fix this? I don't know because you didn't have experience fixing the car before you left. And so that's kind of what I see a lot. And those are the people who quit. Blue belts, they quit, right? The whole reputation and stereotype of blue belts quitting. I think that's what happens is because blue belts who made it, are the ones who established those fundamentals and blue belts who didn't make it kept running into technique and they took off too early without unlearning bad habits. And then they have an attitude problem towards jujitsu because it, it's no longer easy, fun thing for them anymore. That That's perfect. Right. They're just thinking about that, like those blue belts that, you know, especially when they get there quick, Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, those flashy blue belts that get there because it's like, okay, you blew through all the white belt, you know, stuff, you get it, but then you get there fast and now you're going up against those, those grizzled blue belts who, mm -hmm. who have like fine tuned it. They stuck around, they fine tuned it. And now you're like, well, well, why isn't this working for me? 
It's like, I, like I, I don't understand. It's like, well, you were moving so fast at white belt. You didn't stop to try to understand along the way. Mm-hmm. You got here and now you're like, oh shit, maybe I should go back and revisit that. So moving backwards it, is difficult for the ego for oh, sure. For sure. Yeah, trust me, I, I I've been there. Like, I, like I we said, all have that guy. I, I came in like, yes, I'm the biggest, baddest motherfucker in this gym. As soon as I got choked with my own t-shirt, I was like, maybe I'm not. <laughs> like, maybe I need to chill out. And you know, once you find that and you you cure it, then you know it. If you can, it all starts to make sense. But there's some people that those people who can't, those are the ones that tend to point fingers. And blame mm-hmm. it on something else. Well, it right. wasn't me that was a problem. It was maybe that Jim didn't know how to coach me. Maybe, mm. you know, they were doing jujitsu wrong and they're doing jujitsu dumb. You know, I have <laughs> someone that, you know, I, you know, I used to be friends with that kind of thought that way. It was like, well, like that shit is dumb. Like, why would I ever do that? Like, I'm not doing jujitsu. Why do I do jujitsu? Like, I'm just going to, you know, watch him in Maine do that. It's like, okay. I mean, <laughs> you can do that too. But, I'm gonna fuck you up still. Like, so enjoy that. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Things that come easy. So if you're naturally athletic, you're used to sports coming easy for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's easy for you to pursue. This is going to be the first thing where once you start going against grizzled blue belts, like you said, that's where it starts to get hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And jujitsu is not like most other sports. Like you're not just going to beat them with athleticism. You know what I mean? If you're like in other sports, if you're slower, it's an easy route to get faster. You know what I mean? If you're not as strong, there's an easy route to get stronger. If you're not good at jujitsu, it's not an easy route to get better. It's a slow, grueling process. And so once you finally hit that first, not easy, like, oh, I realize I've been doing this for a few months now. And I'm not still beating that blue belt. You know what I mean? He's actually getting better against me. That's difficult for you as the natural athlete to face and you either run from it or you dive into it. And that's why I think the, the percentage of blue belts who make it to purple is super low. I mean, white belts who make it to blue is pretty low, right? Very, very low. And then blue belts to purple belts are very, very low. But what's interesting is the numbers start to go up. They're not big numbers, but the numbers drastically increase once you hit purple, right? Yes. Purple to Brown is pretty high and Brown to black is pretty high comparatively. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But man, that blue to purple, if you can make it through that, that's the hardest, that's the hardest stage you will ever hit because white to blue, it's new, it's fun. The learning curve is really high. So you're learning a lot, even though it sucks, you're learning and it's fun. But blue belt, the learning starts to go down in terms of like how much you're advancing every day. You feel like the higher belts are no go- now going harder with you. The white belts are now unhinged against you because you're a blue belt, you're a colored belt. And so you're kind of getting it, you know, from both ends and, uh, that the advancements aren't as easy as they were at white belt. So the, I think that's the hardest belt to be, but it's also going to be your highest belt to progression. Yes, I, I, I agree. Um, I'll just make one more point here then like try to try to advance our, our conversation. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much to I, talk I, about. Yeah, no. <laughs> I keep coming back to it as well because because it, it's a fascinating topic, and and I'm 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 you know involved and I'm like oh my god because I'm a blue belt and I'm in that spot where I'm like man this shit is hard but um 
you know, the, the, the one point about the athleticism, I remember going against, you know, one of our older blue belts and I'm, I'm an athlete. I'm, I'm like pressure passing him and I'm, you know, I'm stronger than him. I'm faster. I'm just, I'm just, I'm frustrating this guy. I'm not tapping him, but I'm giving him a hard time. Then he started wrist locking me. <laughs> and that's where I had to really take a step back because I had never experienced a wrist lock until I rolled with this dude. And <laughs> he, like, that was his go-to. And I, I had to adjust and figure that out because that's where it finally clicked in my mind. I was like, I can be the most athletic dude here. I can be the fastest dude. I can be the strongest dude. But, like, you're not, you know, none of that's helping you against a wrist lock. A guy who who knows how to, like, pin your arm just right and then isolate that 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 wrist and then pop. Got you. Mm. So I, I had to now start thinking about jiu-jitsu much differently. And and it, it, all, it was all because of a wrist lock. That I think that was my wake-up call. That wrist lock, I was like, <laughs> Oh my lord! I don't know jujitsu because uh, a big part of it too. What I do well is I memorize people. Mm. I learn your patterns. Right. I don't develop new patterns for myself, but I'll learn your patterns just to stop you from getting where you need to be. So I was doing a lot of that, and I had never seen a wrist lock. <laughs> and then I got hit with one. I was like, hmm. Now once I figured that out. I'm still kind of in this mode where I don't understand that I don't know jujitsu. I just know that I'm slowing people down. One of our yeah. teammates went away for a few months and he came back with a whole new game. He wiped the floor with me. And oh. that's that that was that was the part two of me realizing what jujitsu was versus what it wasn't. And then mm -hmm. I had to change my way of thinking. And a few months after that, that's where you know, the game became so much different for me. And then I eventually got promoted because I think they realized, okay, now he understands. Yeah. Like, it's not just about being strong. It's not just about being fast. You need to actually learn the techniques, understand the principles and, and execute them. So, you know, Yo, jitsu, it humbles you. That's a perfect example of how wrist locks are revolutionary for everybody. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know, they bring out emotions in people. I, I trust me, I know. There's going to be a book that says Jujitsu Revelations, and chapter one will be wrist locks. I promise, <laughs> dude. When like I, I started doing really well at defending them, and um, I recently got wrist locked, and I wasn't sure how to feel. Like <laughs> I tapped, and in like you know, I, I was cool to my teammate, but. Yeah. I, like after class, I sat on the bench, you know, everybody's leaving. I'm just sitting there and just thinking like, how, like, how, do, like he, he's got a new way of getting me with these wrist locks. How do I avoid this? So I roll one of the next week, you know, different day, you know, same, same thing. And I sat and thought more and more. I was like, how do I like avoid this dude wrist locking? Because he was seeing wrist locks from every angle. Like yeah, yeah, every angle, and because your arms are so involved in jujitsu, like it's no yeah. hiding them. <laughs> you know, he he's got like you know, I you know, I go for a collar tie. He wrist locked me with his neck. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm sick of this dude. And then we, he and I actually talked. We talked about it. He was like, yeah, like he went on just kind of this this wild run of like wrist locks and and trying to get them from every angle, no matter what you're doing. If I grab your lapel. He's getting the wrist lock 
and he's mm -hmm. not even having to use his arms or he might have one arm like like kind of isolate my hand and again he's going to use his chin mm -hmm. I was like fuck okay which then started making it scary for me to kind of get any grip on him because mm -hmm. it's like well, what and i was like well fuck it i need to go for this dude's legs <laughs> like, like i'm just staying away from any of his upper body and i'm just you know i would just pin his legs and pressure pass and like like fucking hug him to the ground i was like i don't know what to do with you so i'm taking this as a win that i could <laughs> like not get rislock so but so yeah he just became the master of the dark arts and yeah. just risk like the world like he chose all the violence <laughs> he was like we're like well what do you want to learn today i want to learn the worst like, fuck <laughs> that's a point. i want to make everybody hate me at the gym say no more fam <laughs> and the thing is he's such a fucking nice guy <laughs> that's what makes me hate the whole situation because like i don't want to be mad at you you fucking wrist lock me i'm supposed to hate you but like, you're super nice he's two-faced He'll risk yeah, like you yeah. one time and be nice to you. This, yeah, that's funny. They're like, oh, I, uh, hey, have you like talked to him? He's so nice, right? Oh, he's so fucking fake. <laughs> he's so fake. He rest locks me. But no one's watching. <laughs> so you know what that made me think of, though, is like the beauty of jujitsu. Because, okay, so, uh, so we were kind of, every Friday I do this thing called diagnostics. So rather than so Monday through Thursday is strict curriculum. Monday and Wednesday no gi, Tuesday and Thursday gi, right? And then Friday, what we do is a diagnostics class where we all sit around and I allow my students to ask questions. Okay, like, hey, how do I get out of this? Or like, hey, what's your like uh opinion on this? You know what I mean? And basically, there is a time when I was going up where I wish I could have asked a bunch of questions to my professor without pushing private lessons you know what i mean like yeah hey i have more questions about this cool buy private lessons oh wow a thousand dollars awesome you know what i mean i'm a poor poor blue belt you know like so i was like no i just want to create a class where you guys determine the curriculum you know what i mean you ask questions and i'm here for you and uh that has led into a couple philosophical conversations one of them being like, why do we focus on submissions and stuff? It's like, if I go out in a, a street fight and like, I'm just out there breaking arms and wrist locking people, this, that, and the other thing. And I tell them it's not about this. What, what we all get here together for is not about that. It's not about going out there, there to be the most dangerous human ever. What it is about is making sure you're the least vulnerable human ever. Right. And so everybody here is here to point out all your flaws and all your mistakes. Right. Because if you were ever in a physical altercation with somebody else, you, they are slowly like filling all those holes that you had. They're slowly getting away or uh, like uh, pushing out your flaws. Does that make sense? So like. It, it's about you becoming the most resilient human and the better they are at put like poking holes into your game. You know what I mean? Poking holes into your, like exposing your flaws, the more you're going to stop exposing yourself, the, the less flaws that you're going to reveal. And so you are becoming a more resilient martial artist. You're becoming more of an expert at self-defense. The likelihood of somebody 
out in the street having the capability of exposing a flaw from you goes lower and lower the more you allow these people to expose them here in the gym, right? And so you're not – it becomes a completely unselfish way of looking at jujitsu. You're – we're not out here making you the best at the triangle so you could be the best at the triangle. You're trying to make your teammates the best at defending triangles. You know what I mean? Yeah. It becomes about them. The better you get is so that way they could be better and you, you're building up your community. You know what I mean? So when somebody is exposing those wrist locks on you and you're sitting there now thinking about it on the bench, he's forced you into a place of self-reflection and that's making you better. You know what I mean? He's for, he's revealed to you a flaw that you didn't have to face before where you had this idea that you had this armor, right? This like bulletproof vest that you wore everywhere. And he was like, oh no, I could get through that easy with this. It doesn't matter what you do. And you're forced to reevaluate. What he has done is made you more of a resilient person. So now you, your armor gets better every single time somebody exposes that because you're forced to go around and deal with that. People who run away with that aren't willing to look at themselves and see the vulnerabilities of who they are. And so they run away from it. Right. And that's where like stoicism and uh, self-reflection come in. And like, sometimes like Buddhism, you know what I mean? But any, anything that forces you to look inwards and self-reflect like the, they, those types of philosophies hold you self-accountable and the same thing with jujitsu. Nobody else is going to get you out of that wrist lock. You can't ask them to stop wrist locking you. You have to figure it out. No one's going to come and save you and give you an easy answer. And so you then face the world more resilient because you've had more of your holes exposed. And that's that's an insane philosophy. And it also, when you're rolling with somebody who's not as good as you, or you're rolling with somebody who's way better than you. If you start looking at it that way, it becomes a way more communal thing. It's very interesting how positive you can look at that now. You know what I mean? But absolutely. It's in, I don't know. To me, it felt like an incredible, incredible revelation of like how I viewed jujitsu. And you just kind of expose that a little bit in a perfect example of how you got wrist locked and you were forced to like sit there and reflect jujitsu is so incredibly introspective that way it, it it takes you know it takes you places just mentally emotionally and it, i try to explain this to my friends who don't train and in i, I think for me when i think about jujitsu i want all my people to train jujitsu because it feels good to me on so many levels. I enjoy it. I love it. And it's like, I want to share this with them, but also I want to have it where, you know, my friends aren't vulnerable in a mm -hmm. public setting of a friend. He loves to go out to the bar a lot. I don't, I hate it. I'm not a social person. <laughs> part of it is, you know, humans, humanity, people, <laughs> That's that's part one of it, but but the, you know even into that it's like if I go to the bar and I want to go have a beer, I just want to have a beer. I want to talk with my friends, maybe socialize a little bit. But you run into situations where someone wants to cause trouble. And I always tell my friends like I don't like being in those situations. You know, I've had people joke say, "Well, I mean, you'll just kick their ass for us." Like, no, I'm not. As a matter of fact, if if a fight break out, 
I'm probably going to try to get away from it. You know, if yeah. it, if someone's coming at me, like I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the, the conflict. You know, if someone's putting their hands on my friends. I'm going to try to talk it down. Um, whereas I have, you know, friends that, I mean, we're older now, but still I got friends that you know, like, no, I'll fight them. It's like, dude, you're in your forties, dude. You ain't fighting nobody. You fight a nap. <laughs> like you fight <laughs> trying not to fall asleep too early, man. You like, like chill son. But you know, I, I, I always try to explain to, you know, the people in my life, you know, how much jujitsu has done for me on, on an emotional level, on a psychological level. You know, I used to be the angry kid. You know, I got humbled in jujitsu and I was no longer the angry kid because it was like, you know, it doesn't, you know, what does that get you being an angry kid? You know, what does that get you, you know, screaming at people, yelling at people? It doesn't feel good. If, you know, jujitsu taught me to, you know, try to channel that, that anger into something else. And it wasn't even anger when it came out, you know, when I rechanneled it, it was more of a. Uh, enlightenment, I guess, you know, again, as I'm getting humbled by a 14 year old kid, you know, is that, that thing that made me think is like, you know, that kid could have fucking killed me just yeah. now. He could have choked me unconscious and he chose not to. Yeah. He, he was he, merciful. Yeah. It's like, and I'm sure, you know, he was probably thinking I'm a merciful God. I'm like, yeah, I am a merciful God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I definitely didn't want to piss myself on his mat in front of everybody on my first day. Like, how am I going to explain that shit going back home? So how was class? Yeah, so um, I got to go to the pants. Like, why? What happened? Uh, this 14-year-old choked me. He made me pee myself. Like, I had a lot of water before class. I don't, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Stop why are you going upstairs? Like, he just came in the house and ran to the basement really fast. What was that about? Like, do I smell pee? Um, Are you crying? I don't want to talk. <laughs> like, you, like, you get out the car. It's like, why are your eyes red? <laughs> Allergies. God. I was smoking weed in the car. Like, you don't <laughs> smoke? You I don't, don't fucking smoke. know. <laughs> hey, kids. <laughs> 14 year olds are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck them kids. Uh, but, but, like, you know, kind of like coming out of it and just the way that I try to explain jujitsu to my friends. I try to show them. And it's tough because what they see of jujitsu for me is me getting my ass whipped <laughs> or, or me, you know, you know, and even if I'm not getting my ass kicked, you know, it, you know, what they see is like this tussle. Meanwhile, what's really going on is there's a chess match going on. There's oh, yeah. a lot going on that they don't see or understand. So, when I try to bring my friends into it, you know, they're just like, oh, none of that makes sense. We're like, <laughs> we're recording uh, my other uh, my other podcast a few weeks back, and the one championship card was on, and Mikey Misrameshi was on there. Mm -hmm. And we paused the podcast to go watch that match, because I want to show, like, let's watch some jiu-jitsu. You know, yeah. they're like, what the fuck's going on here? What's <laughs> going on? <I> like, okay. <laughs> Especially in a Mikey Musumeci match. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, okay, so they got really bendy ankles. So, like, <laughs> like, and then he goes for the rear next to was like, that's jujitsu. <laughs> they're like, yeah, I don't think I'm interested. Although I told my buddy, he, he said to me, uh, he was like, talk, he was trying to convince me to play frisbee golf with him. And I was like, mm -hmm. that doesn't sound interesting to me. I don't want to do that. 
And it sounds pretty fucking dumb. I'm not doing it. He was like, no, no, you gotta try it. I was like, I don't, no, I don't. He was like, no, you gotta try. I was like, all right, well, if I try, you gotta, you gotta um, come try some jujitsu. Oh, like you'll work with me, and and you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to manhandle you. You know, it'll be very basic, and I'm gonna try to walk you through it. But I want you, you know, to try to get a feel for it, and Mm -hmm. and and see what I'm trying to explain. And granted, you can't necessarily do that one or two, you know lessons or something but the ideal is try to build upon and maybe then he'll say okay maybe i want to sign up for this i'm i'm, I'm only going to play frisbee golf once though <laughs> <laughs> it's already one, set one yeah like I've, I've already signed the contract he i mean he hasn't seen this contract but i signed <laughs> like as soon as he says some shit about let's play it again i'm gonna pull that paper like nah doggy so this is this is i, I signed up for one game I signed up. I fulfilled my contract, Dana White. <laughs> yeah, like I, I have no more to do. I'm I'm going to another organization. Fuck all. <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, one one of the other things I wanted to kind of talk about, and we we're kind of there a little bit uh, with you getting promoted to black belt. Oh yeah, and, and just kind of going into that because I like I, I I'm nowhere near that. I have I have not touched those those uh, heights. And I would like to know for you and the work that you put into all of this with, with jujitsu and now getting to this mountaintop or let's not say mountaintop because you're still, you know, you're always still learning. So to get to this, this new step on the mountain, um, you know, what, what was going on with you? Like, like I know with the anxiety going there to Brazil, but okay. then you know, through the competitions and then when the moment came for you to get promoted, you know, what were your, you know, just inner feelings and emotions going into this? Um, you know, that it's a long journey, long journey of grappling. Uh, it was difficult because, you know, I had a business split and things got ugly and then I was a brown belt with my own school. You know what I mean? Which, yeah. you know, you want to be a black. And I didn't plan on being a brown belt with my own school. Well, I didn't set my business up that way. I was I was always going to have like either support from a black belt or whatever. You know what I mean? I was kind of stranded uh, for a little bit. And then you start to realize when people are looking at you for black belt. It's a lot uglier. 90% of the time I feel like then people realize because it's less now, especially with these fucking old fashioned jujitsu folk, it's less about your, your skill as a black belt. You know what I mean? Like if you want to talk about your skill as a black belt, like my proof was in the pudding, you know, I put it out there. I have multiple competition wins against black belts. Uh, I, you know, have multiple championships under my belt, IBJJF, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it became less about skill and um, all about politics. You know what I mean? Giving, having a black belt under you, like if you were to promote somebody a black belt, it becomes extreme. And so it almost got like, shrouded in this political game which was ugly and i hated it you know what i mean it it's almost like you're filling a fucking political office more than it is filling out 
what a black belt, like what I envisioned a black belt was. You know what I mean? And for me, it's like, okay, uh, I've proven myself in competition. I've proven myself skill-wise. I think I've proven myself like attitude-wise. You know what I mean? I've been coaching nonstop for the past, you know, few years or whatever. I own my own school. You know what I mean? I'm coaching these kids. I'm bringing them out to competition. I've been trying to be a positive influence in the jujitsu community. You know what I mean? Um, I think as a martial artist outside of a gym, you know, with the, with the gym split, people were being very fucking childish, you know, like with some high school drama bullshit, name calling and stuff. And I tried to be above it, you know what I mean? As a martial artist should expect to be, which was hilarious because right before that, he gave me a lecture about like, you have the skill, but you don't have like the attitude of a martial artist and then went online and acted like a fucking high schooler. So it was like, uh, you're sitting here and you're okay. This is what I imagine a black belt to be. And I'm doing my best to fulfill that regardless of what everybody else wants. You, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't know, trying to earn your black belt is a lot more of a political game. And that just sucked. I think that ruined the experience for me. You know what I mean? And I, it should have been the best experience. I went down to Brazil I was getting tested. I was speaking Portuguese. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I would say I have like a decent fluency in Portuguese now. That was exciting. I'm competing there uh, and winning. And so then it becomes, I don't know, just ugly. So I, right off the bat, when I got promoted, it was like very exciting because, like, you know what I mean? Like this journey that your, your journey in jujitsu, like, kind of starts when you get to black belt people say. And so I'm like, I'm hitting this threshold. You know what I mean? I don't have to prove myself that I'm a black belt anymore. Like, uh, in the sense, like to earn it, you know what I mean? Now I have to prove myself as a black belt, right. Rather than to become a black belt. I think I'm starting to fill into it a lot better now, if that makes sense. You know, uh, it's starting to hit me like, yo, I'm a motherfucking black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking about when I was a white belt and how I viewed black belts. I'm like, I'm one of those people. And uh, that's incredible. And so I'm starting to finally get out of that, like the ugly drama and just trying to enjoy myself and have enjoy my team and enjoy what I've built from scratch uh, with my jiu-jitsu community and people I've tried to tear down multiple times you, especially like when you open your own gym, when you open your own gym, it's like all these people that you thought were excited that you're going to be a black belt are now like you're fucking opening up a school here and now you're competition. You know what I mean? So like we are friendly at first and now you're kind of a dick, you know, it, it's a lot of things I didn't expect. And that sucked. That sucked. That sucked. And so I see a lot of people I think who are doing the smart thing where they're not trying to open their own school. They're just being a competitor. They're uh, like doing seminars. They're selling like uh, educational tapes online, things like that. And I think that's a way it's a less of a threat to the person who's promoting you to black belt and less of a threat to the other jujitsu gyms around you. Cause you're not trying to open up a gym and take away from their resources. So I know that was kind of like a little bit negative 
look into it. But yeah, I really hated that it became about politics rather than jujitsu and all the shit they preach. They sh they preach like martial arts and like the stoic resolve and humbleness and all this jazz and man it it completely like it goes out the window when it comes to because you give somebody power when you give them a black belt mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so yeah and i was like bitches like i'm not taking any power like i have my school i have my little gym we're out away from everybody else. I specifically opened my gym way out here so that way I wouldn't have to compete with anybody. I saw Mark out here and I wanted to be the first to strike oil out here. And I feel like I've done that. I try to teach my students as best as I could, right? And one of the guys, uh, one of my what, business falling, the person I had a business falling out with, he's like, I feel bad for your students because like they won't get real jujitsu or something like that. Like basically talking smack about my coaching ability. And now they're winning gold medals all over the place and they're really growing into their, you know what I mean? Like they, they pushed a lot of insecurity on me and tried to expose that for me. And now I'm starting to build that confidence back up because it's objective, right? My students are winning here. My students are winning there. They're winning in age groups above them. They're winning in uh, like weight classes above them. They're winning in skill and belt levels above them. And then the ones that they are in, they're just destroying. And I, pro I promote my gray belts and my blue belts early. Like at my school, if you're at my school, you'll probably get a blue belt earlier than you would have at a different school. If you're at my school, you'll probably get a gray belt earlier than you would at another school. You might be there a long time. You might be a blue belt for a long time or a gray belt for a long time because you have to earn your purple belt. And you have to earn your yellow belt a different way. However, even though they're getting those promotions early, they're still fucking thrashing. You know what I mean? So it's like, and they're not learning jujitsu from anywhere else. We're out in the fucking boondocks, not boondocks, but we're out in the boonies. You know what I mean? We're out, we're, you know, 20 minutes to half an hour away from like the closest school. Well, yeah, that might be like 20 minutes from like the nearest school and uh, probably 25 minutes or more from the nearest school that can be that we would be a threat to. So it's like we're not even in your demographic. You know what I mean? And all of our people are brand new. They, they have only gotten their jujitsu from me. And I'm, of course, they probably learned things online, probably traveled and, you know, got, you know, things from other gyms. But like I've been their primary coach. And that brings a ton of confidence because they take that out there objectively in competition, not scared to put it on the line and they win. And so as my transition into black belt was very political based and ugly, and I was very insecure because I went from having a coral belt and a black belt in my corner to them talking shit about me online, like and trying to throw trying to throw some shit, like some tr untruths in, in the realm and try to ruin my reputation. And so like, it was very ugly to answer your question. <laughs> and I think I'm finally coming out in, in a more positive light. My students believe in me. My students have stuck with me through the, the reputation tarnishing and they go out and compete and they see themselves doing well. And I go out and compete, right? So like I'm putting my name on the line and uh, I'm proving to them like, hey, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm going against black belts. I'm going against black belts twice my size, you know, and uh, I'm going against lots of higher belts and I'm showing them like, hey, this works. So I think I'm finally having a positive experience as black belt 
And I don't think anybody could question me now on my resolve, my coaching, uh, my competition, my understanding of a sport, you know, things like that. Yeah. So I think I'm a, I've solidified myself as at least worthy in some sort of sense to run my own school as a black belt. And we have a lot of students who are doing well. So, yeah. Good. You know, they, they you know, and, and just talking with you earlier on and everything, you know, I would have never guessed, you know, just because your demeanor, you know, the way you carry yourself, you know, it's, it's, it, it always feels very positive. So it's like, <laughs> you know, what? so, you know, good on you for, you know, you know, staying strong. And I mean, like, look, you know, th this sucked. It rattled me a little bit. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live here. Uh, you know, I'm going to fucking continue to grow. So that, that that says a lot about your character. But also that's that's that jujitsu, though. That's that, you know, you know, keep pushing through. I mean, you're black belt for a reason. You know, you know, like those cats that quit at whatever belt. You know, if they had the same, you know, backlash or pushback that you, you, you know, you experienced there probably would have fucking buckled like a belt so good on you dude and hey you know i've always got my support i'm always in your Thank corner you. you know you know I, i've got a bunch of your your content in my queue yeah. for repost so it's like at the very least i can't do a whole hell of a lot but i can repost <laughs> i got that i got a podcast you know i got you know so, something but I'm always in your corner and, and just hearing that it's like, damn dude, that's a bummer. But again, you know, I'm happy for you. Like, you know, when, when I saw the post that you got promoted, I was like, dude, I just had that going on a fucking podcast. Like, <laughs> that, that, that's my dude. Um, you know, and, and again, going through just kind of that adversity, it's like most people are going to lash out. Most people are going to, you know, cave in. And so, you know, you know what? This fucking sucks. But I got a, I got a fucking gym to run. I got a, I got athletes to coach. You know, we've got medals to win. I don't got time for this bullshit. So, you know. Yeah. That's the only good thing that happened from all this is I had to look inward and just say, like, this is the what I can do. I can focus on what can I focus on right now? And it's like, I can focus on my students. I can focus on competing. You know what I mean? I can focus on being the best I can be and the truth will make itself known. You know what I mean? And, uh, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't, but at least I pursued my dream. And if you guys try to shatter my dream through whatever justification you feel like, you know what I mean? Making up lies and trying to justify your actions to, crush me and my family and what I risk to make this happen. Uh, if I survive that, then I know I'm resilient and maybe worthy of this dream, you know? So, uh, right when that all happened, you know, I won uh brown belt pans pretty decisively and that felt, you know what I mean? And that was one of the things it's like, this is where I'm going to find my positive resolve. This is where I'm going to find my, like, not my like closure, but my peace is in my jujitsu. So they almost forced me to focus on what's important. So if I can look away from, you know, get away from anything that's like a silver lining, 
or I guess, I guess push towards a silver lining and get away from the negative is it really pushed me into my own. And so I have them to thank for having me really concentrate on what's important in my life and also exposing the people who aren't worthy to be in my life. So thank you for those people. Thank you for making that happen. I appreciate it. I love that outlook right there because I think that's one thing that people don't take into account or even even look at us like, look, y'all fucked around and created something that y'all probably didn't want. <laughs> so now I'm just going to get better. Thanks, motherfuckers. So good, good. And by the way, I am no ways perfect. I'll say that right now. I'm a difficult, especially as a business partner, I'm probably difficult to get along with, but I always considered myself extremely fair, but yeah, like I'm, I'm just saying like definitely flaws. Everybody got flaws and there's things that I did in the past that I'm always trying to make better, but like wiser lies, you know what I mean? I'm usually willing to face where I did something wrong. You know what I mean? But like, I'm not perfect, but I try to stay honest and I try to persevere. And so if there's anything I can say out of that, that. I held true to myself, I guess. So, yeah. Before we get out of here, um, I know before when we recorded, you know, we were talking movies and whatnot and potentially oh, yeah. um, doing So You Like Horror as well. Um, you still interested in uh, talking horror with me on, on another yeah. podcast at some point? Hell uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll set that all up and uh, all right. get rolling. But um, we'll go ahead and wrap here. All right. And then, um, you know. You know the routine, son. Thank you. Thank you for uh, doing this. You got any shout outs or mentions you want to drop before we get out of here? Um, I'm starting to finally like my grow my brand and reputation. Uh, I started a podcast called Chad the Dad and Jade the Babe. So it's me and my wife. Um, and it's even though like we have jujitsu in there, it's actually more focused like on our relationship as owning a jujitsu business together, homeschooling our four kids. Um, look it up. Uh, if you go to uh, my Instagram, Chad, the dad underscore BJJ, I got a link tree in there. The link tree is flow state JJ. And also my website for my business is flowstatejj.com. And uh, look, find me online. I'm going to start growing my YouTube, start growing my podcast, uh, start growing. I mean, I've been trying to grow my Instagram. I'm going to start making more appearances on podcasts, but I, now that I'm a black belt and I, like I told you, grown my confidence as somebody who looks at the sport a lot differently than most other people, in my opinion, I really want to start uh, exposing that. I uh, My students seem to really like it, so maybe other people will like it. So I'm going to go out on a whim and try to be a little bit more public about it. I'll still make my funny videos. Um, but yeah, anyway, thank you so much for having me. FlowStateJJ.com. That's, that's, uh, you'll be able to find uh, my intro course online. So if you're brand new getting involved in jujitsu, I made an entire course that even if you haven't done jujitsu yet, by the time you watch this, you should be ready for your first day in class and not be confused. I feel like when you first go into jujitsu, there's like a, a language barrier. You know what I mean? You get in there like, what the fuck? Why, why am I even in the missionary position? This is weird. You know, like, and what this does is it brings you from like, okay, this is jujitsu. This is why it's a self-defense. This is how it transformed it transformed into a sport. This is why we're trying to pass the legs. Here's one way to pass the legs. You know what I mean? So you basically have 
one tool from every position transition and submission so like you you basically oh and escape from every position so that way like you kind of have a gist of how to roll through everything so the people who have come to my gym and i introduced them to that they came in the next day like having a goal and like having an offense rather than just being like overwhelmed so anyway if you go flowstatejj.com and you go to flowstate online that's a cool entry course I made. Uh, it's really cheap. Uh, I put a lot of effort in it and I had, I've been having a lot of success with it. So if you have people who listen to your podcast, if you're anywhere from brand new to uh, oh, a white belt, who's maybe six months or less in, this is like targeted for you. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'll make sure to put the links and everything in the show notes and uh, make sure we get you tagged and everything. But, Glad to have you. I'm glad you made the time for us. I do appreciate it. <clears throat> yeah, and I appreciate you having me. You're always the best. You're the best host. Well, thank you. Thank you. But it, I'm always nervous whenever I have people on because I always feel like, man, I hope I'm not, you know, fucking around asking dumb questions or maybe we're too, maybe we went too far off topic. And I, I think sometimes that might be part of the charm of the show is like, you know, I, I think sometimes things can get too rigid. So to have that flexibility, I hope it's working for people. But honestly, as long as you all as the guests don't leave the show feeling like, man, fuck, that was a waste of time. <laughs> then I feel like, you know what? My work here has had my job here has been accomplished. So, Oh, absolutely. Like for me this time, um, I really felt like I was talking to my students. You know what I mean? After we've all just come out of this whole like mess. So like, for me, you just gave me a platform to fucking talk way too much, but get it off of my chest. And I really feel like I got a lot off my chest and it was done in a, in a great format. So that was really good for me. And if anybody who's not my student, obviously walks away with some positivity from that, you know what I mean? That, uh, that exposure from my experience, I really hope it helps them. So you allowed that rather than following a rigid format that, I think that was good for at least me and my students. Oh, good, good. Uh, we're just going to pretend that it's not that I don't have a plan. Yeah. And <laughs> the whole time. Um, <laughs> but no, no, it, like everything was great and, and just very informative for me as well. So thank you for, you know, your wisdom and, and just, just talking jujitsu with me. So I appreciate Absolutely. that. And as always, to everyone listening, thank you. I appreciate you all. I appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast. I appreciate all the guests who are on the podcast. Um, if you all ever have any questions, concerns, criticisms, feel free to reach out to me. You can always find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram. You can find me at Off the Mats Podcast as well on Instagram. You can email me at Off the Mats 2020 at gmail.com. Don't, don't email me. Don't email me. I'll <laughs> email uh, it might be, I don't fucking know. I got an email the other day from somebody. I think it was a scammer, but they're like, Hey, you, you want, we're going to promote your podcast. Like we're going to like mention you in the magazine. I was like, man, you don't know about your, you know, your magazine. <laughs> like whatever. So don't, don't email me, but you can always reach me on Instagram. I'm primarily there with the new work schedule. I've been having a little bit harder time answering uh, messages during the day. So, you know, it used to be a pretty quick turnaround. Now, you know, I might not get to you until later in the day, but 
I, I always respond back. So shoot me a message if you have any questions, concerns, criticisms, or if you want to be a guest, we'll work it out. Um, I want to give a big shout out, um, as always, to my crew over there at Nerd Rage Radio. We just, uh, you know, got together the whole crew, everybody, everyone, Rumor Collectors, Nerd Rage Radio, everyone for Skulls this, this, this weekend. And it was a fucking blast. So, <laughs> uh, you know, love you guys, Bobby, Chris. Joe was was not there, but you know, the rest of the crew, uh, the Roma collectors, you know, Ricky Tiki, all you fucking guys. I love you guys. We had a blast. My family had a blast. I, I can't thank you guys enough. I love you all. I don't think you guys listen this far into the podcast anyway, but know that I love you guys. Uh, also, want to give a big shout out to my other podcast. So you like horror? It's about horror movies. If you like that kind of stuff, go check it out. Our most recent episode was on the Evil Dead franchise. Ooh. We had an upcoming episode for horror in the 1970s, which it was a fun one. Uh, and and we're going to be working on a Blair Witch episode upcoming, hopefully Ooh. sooner rather than later. But otherwise, go check that show out. Um, go check out the Instagram, So You Like Horror. All the words are separated by underscores. It's a fun show. It's a fun time. I have a blast doing it. And then my last shout out, last but not least. My guest here, Chad the Dad on Instagram. Thank you for making the time for this. You all go check him out. I'm going to put some links here um, in the show notes. It'll be on Instagram as well. I want to make sure that, you know, everyone that comes on here feels supported. And if my audience, you know, jumps over, it's weird to say my audience. (laughs) It's fucking really weird to say. But like, you know, the listeners, you know, if you all haven't been exposed to his content, go check him out. He's a great dude. I mean, if you listen to this far through the fucking podcast, you know. So go check him out. But otherwise, thank you all, everybody. I love you to death. You guys keep listening, and we're going to definitely keep making these shows. Thank you, Hell everyone. Yeah. And I'm going to go grill. <laughs> Bye. Hell yeah. Now let me see his song.